could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. We are all in the gutter. But some of us are looking at the stars. And that's from Oscar Wilde, a Lady Windermere's fan. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice. Right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Before we get into today's show, Be The Star You Are's volunteers and I want to urge you to check out our website at btsya.org. Make sure you go to the events tab to find exciting events that we have coming up and also visit us at expressyourselfteenradio.com to check out past editions of our show. We're thrilled to have received a certificate of recognition from the California legislature honoring Be The Star You Are volunteers for 20 years of dedicated service to the community through literacy and positive media messages. And we are determined to continue our efforts to empower. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Kenneth John. Today's show revolves around the gift of optimism, and for our first segment today, we'll be reading a chapter entitled Exactly That, from our anthology, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. This chapter was written by our awesome producer at Be the Star You Are, Cynthia Bryan. And without further ado, here is the gift of optimism. It had been a tragic and traumatic 18 months. My house flooded while I was on vacation with my family. Both my sister and my mother died within three months of one another. My husband underwent radiation therapy for cancer, and I endured spinal surgery after a serious back injury. Despite the sadness and the challenges, I found myself extremely optimistic. It is amazing what happens when you decide to look at life with rose-colored glasses. Through all the turmoil, I focused on the positive and was determined to find the rainbow after the rain. Although there were bumps in the road, working with our home insurance company and the reconstruction of our interiors entailed over nine months. The end result was that the adjusters and the company helped us to feel whole again. The contractor that I hired became a trusted friend and a devoted donor to the Be The Star You Are charity. My sister's two daughters and their families are thriving and have opened an online boutique to honor their mother, Cowboy Nani. My husband is doing well and working after his therapy, and my spinal surgery was a success. I am once again as energetic and active as ever. As for my mother, she is a legend and forever immortalized in TV history. For 30 years, my mom had religiously watched the TV game show Wheel of Fortune. As most devoted viewers probably do, she felt a personal connection with Pat Sajak and Vanna White. It was her greatest desire to meet them both, although the odds were stacked against that reality. Friends and family knew not to call my mom weekdays during the half hour when the program aired, or they'd get this curt answer. Sorry, I can't talk right now because I'm watching Wheel of Fortune. Please call back later. 
One of the top items on her bucket list for three decades had been to visit the set as a part of the audience. Living on a ranch in Northern California, without any ties to the show, it would be almost certain that meeting her idols was one bucket list item that would never be crossed out. But lucky for her, my son-in-law was a contestant on the program, and he invited her to be one of his four special guests. When he won, I asked the producer if it would be possible for my mom to get a photo with Pat and Vanna as a memento. Next thing I knew, Pat came up to me and asked, Do you think your mom would want to play Vanna for the ending of our show? I excitedly retorted, Play Vanna? She thinks she is Vanna. And as they say, the rest is history. Just four months before her death, the program aired with my mom standing on the stage of Wheel of Fortune, holding hands with Pat Sajak as he referred to her as Vanna. It was the first and only time in the history of the program that anyone other than Vanna had waved bye-bye. Bucket list accomplished. No matter who you are or where you come from, you will have setbacks and challenges in your life. It's not what happens to us that decides our character. It is how we respond to events and circumstances. Many studies have shown that those who are positive and have an optimistic outlook on life are less stressed and experience happier moments. More importantly, optimists tend to be healthier and recover from illnesses more rapidly. Longevity tends to tilt towards people with optimistic outlooks. One of my favorite studies was that of the healthy baseball hall of famers who played between 1900 and 1950. Who lived the longest? Yes, the optimists and positive players won the game of longevity. We have choices in life. We can be optimistic or we can be pessimistic. We can see our glasses as half-filled or half-emptied. Many pessimists will insist that they are realists, but I disagree. Reality is what we believe to be true, and I choose to believe that I am the captain of my starship. We can't control all outcomes, but we can always find a positive spin to every situation. Optimists believe that despite what's going on, good times and great results are on the horizon. A story that I've often retold in lectures to demonstrate the difference between being optimistic and pessimistic is the following. Two young boys are required to clean the manure from two different barn stalls. The boy in the first stall becomes angry and despondent over the amount of shoveling. The boy in the second stall is happy and singing. When asked why he is so joyful, he responds, With all of this manure, there has to be a pony in here somewhere. Choose to see the ponies of your life, and you're guaranteed more bliss despite any tragedies or disappointments. We've got an exercise to accompany the chapter. It's called Pony Up. So the next time you face a terrorizing glacial stumbling stone in your life, take a breath. What choice can you make that would turn this challenge into a stepping stone? Are you looking on the dark side of the moon? Why not try a sunnier outlook? Put a smile on your face and start digging the dung. There may be a pony hidden in plain sight. Everything doesn't always work out as we planned, but sometimes a different path may appear resulting in an auspicious outcome that we had could have never imagined. Seek the light, even in the darkness, and have faith, because you can make your dreams come true. Be an optimist. Wow, that's a pretty incredible and motivating chapter that we have from our very own Cynthia Bryan. Um, I think it's it's pretty cool, mainly because there's been scientific evidence from the neuroscience community that optimism does in fact change kind of your your physical condition and really shapes your outlook on things. And that in turn, through something called the self-fulfillment prophecy, <laughs> a term from AP psychology, uh, <laughs> really allows you to kind of shape your 
your existence. Because Cynthia's right. We can't control what happens to us and we can't, you know, fight the environment. We can't shape the environment because there are all these external factors affecting us. But we can spin our outlook on whatever happens to us in a positive light so that we can you know, better react to things that come our way and turn them into something that's for us rather than against us, which helps us deal with the emotional burden of getting hit with any environmental factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that um, that fact about the self-fulfilling prophecy really reinforces the point that was made by Cynthia that um, reality is essentially what we perceive it to be, right? Um, like there are pessimists and optimists, um, but really, at the end of the day, how you approach your life and how you live your life is just comes down to what you think of it and how you go about um, if feeling happy or sad about uh, whatever comes your way. So, yeah, that's like evidence that you actually really can affect your reality. If you stay optimistic, you stay happy, um, you look at the good things in life, you can actually make your life better. You can keep yourself healthier. Um, you're not as, yeah, I guess, turmoiled. Yeah, absolutely. Although I have to say that um, we're we're kind of shoving <laughs> shoving um, uh, pessimists down, right? We um, there's there's this perspective that if you're a pessimist, it's all because of your outlook, and it's because you haven't taken the steps to change that. But what's also interesting is that again, from the neuroscience community, there's been a lot of studies coming out that have shown that. People are genetically predisposed to be more optimistic or more pessimistic. So it's not entirely the pessimist's fault that that they tend to see, you know, the darker side of the moon. But for any pessimist who, you know, is is down about how they're thinking and wants to change that aspect of their life, there are a lot of things that you can do. Uh, so what's popular now is meditation. Meditation does really help you kind of restructure your mind. Any sort of cognitive behavioral therapy, any sort of therapy, um, when you're talking something out and when you're changing your thinking, actually results in physical changes in your brain. And so, if you start out with a genetic basis, with a you know a, a genet- genetically predisposed pessimism, that means your brain is wired in a certain way that you know has you making these connections that are more pessimistic in nature maybe you're connecting an event that's happened to you to sadness instead of happiness and that's a physical connection in your brain but if you go through something like cognitive behavioral therapy where you are reflecting on your actions every day you're talking with a therapist a trained therapist about how you can change your perspective on things and you're kind of rewiring your thoughts, the physical connections in your brain will also begin to change. You'll begin to create um, links, uh, synapses between your brain cells that weren't there before. And so while you can't always overcome your genetics, you can definitely take steps if you're pessimistic by genetic nature, (laughs) by, by, by if you've inherited pessimism, essentially, you can take steps to change that and have a more positive outlook in life and have access to those health benefits, to those emotional benefits of being an optimist. Of course, there are other, there are other, you know, there are um, pharmaceutical methods that you can take too if your pessimism, you know, is really hardwired in your brain, which unfortunately some individuals do have to go through. And, you know, we shouldn't knock that either. Whatever you can do to get a positive outlook, you know, try it out. See if it works for you. And hopefully you'll be able to access the health benefits and, again, the emotional benefits of being an optimist. 
Yeah, um, you're definitely right. Yeah, I should have mentioned, like, it's not as simple as, you know, being happy or sad. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of nuances. There are a lot of different things that people can feel differently about. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird to just generalize someone as a pessimist. But, yeah, mm-hmm. there are kind of things you can, little steps that you can kind of work towards um, to not being, I guess, as cynical if you're already kind of, like, set into a mindset um, mm-hmm. where that, I don't know, that has just become a result of how you've, like, gone about your life so far. Right. You know, obviously, from from an optimist's point of view, it's like, oh, this is easy. Come on, do it. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, we we do take that perspective. If you are on the more optimistic side, you're like, well, this is how you think of things. You just spin it around. And I'm definitely guilty of doing that sometimes. Uh, I, I would like to think that I'm an optimist and I end up you know, disparaging pessimists and, and saying, well, why can't you see it this way? But I forget that my brain has started out wired like this. And I've also taken further steps to try and make sure <laughs> that connections are beneficial in my brain to my outlook. Whereas, you know, somebody else from a different, uh, you know, socioeconomic background, who's who's had it rougher in life, who's gone through a lot of things, and who has started out with a more pessimistic mindset, might not have access to the privileges that I've had in my life. Well, anyway, that was an amazing chapter on optimism from Cynthia, and thank you so much, Kenneth, for your input <laughs> and and for bearing with my ramblings as well. <laughs> Um, that was great right thanks thanks (laughs) always excited to talk about optimism which which works out you're always optimistic when you're talking about optimism (laughs) but anyway audience you can purchase be the star you are millennials to boomers celebrating gifts of positive voices in a changing digital world and be inspired by other amazing writers at starstylestore.net all of the money benefits be the Star You Are, 501c3 charity, and this Express Yourself program uh, as a donation. So make sure you get your copy of the book today and make sure you help us help keep this show on air. I'm Brigitte And I'm Kenneth John. Check out youtube.com slash be the star you are for our fun and informative Be the Star You Are videos on living, laughing, and learning. Be sure to stay right here as we continue our discussion on the gift of optimism. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Looking for entertainment news from a kid's perspective? Tune in to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. The Kids First Film Critic Review, all the latest movies, TV shows, and digital media before they're released. Interview celebrities and share all that and more so you can make informed decisions about what you select to watch. Our reporters, ages 8 to 21, bring you a kid's perspective on media targeted for kids and families. 
Kids First Coming Attractions plays every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment channel. Today's theme is the gift of optimism. In this segment, we're joined on air by author and editor at Creative Communication, Dr. Tom Worthen. Tom has a PhD in interpersonal communication and has been the editor at Creative Communication since 1993. Aside from the yearly anthologies published by Creative Communication and Celebrating Art, Tom was also editor of Broken Hearts, Healing Young Poets Speak Out on Divorce. Broken Hearts Healing received national recognition from Voices of Young Advocacies, VOYA, and was a book sense pick by the Independent Bookstores of America. It's been used hun- by hundreds of school counselors to help youths cope with the feelings created by experiencing a parent's divorce. Tom, known as Dr. Tom to his students, teaches at Utah State University, where his speech and debate teams, Communication, have won several national championships. He lives with his wife and family in Smithfield, UT. With that, let's welcome Tom onto the show. Hi, Tom. Hello. Good to be here. Thank you for the introduction. Absolutely. Thank you for being here, and we're glad to have you on. So I'm going to start right off. Uh, you know, you're an editor, and you collect all of these different works. How do you go about doing that? How do you gather together the correct or the, the most fitting art and writing for a book? You know, uh, we've been working with uh, language art teachers and art teachers across the United States for over 20 years. And so each year we have writing an art contest where the students and the teachers send in poetry to us and art. And then we create regional anthologies for the students in the schools. And in looking through those, um, there's always certain themes that come out. And, you know, in reading thousands of poems... The, uh, there's a lot of teens who are really just trying to fit in, and you know it's really tough learning to be yourself. And so I started looking at the poems and realizing there's some art that matches up to them, and thought there's a, a need that might be be fulfilled um, to help these kids who have a desire to fit in before they really lose who they are. Yeah, and who is the main audience that you would try to reach with these anthologies? Is it the other kids, kind of? I guess, to inspire other kids to kind of do the same thing? Or is it just a wider audience in general? 
You know, for the art and writing contest originally, um, it's to inspire them, to motivate them to enter, and we have contests and anthologies. Um, and so that's the motive there. But for the I Am Me, um, with the teen artists and writers speak out on what it means to be yourself, the motive there is uh, to help any teen. Uh, in teaching interpersonal communication, there's the concept of so many young women who feel insecure and really doubt themselves, but it covers all genders. It covers both sexes, male, female, and every gender of teens just trying to figure life out. And uh, so that's our audience. And if we can create something that inspires and um, it's written by the kids. There's so much out there that's written by us PhDs, you know. <laughs> but we're not the experts. The teens are. And so we thought by putting an anthology of poetry written by teens, it would maybe speak to them better and they'd be able to relate to what the kids are going through better. Absolutely. That's that's a really great perspective to take, you know. Uh, not to knock PhDs, y'all are, yeah. y'all are definitely <laughs> experts. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a neuroscience major. I'm conducting research in a basic science lab, and wow, PhD, so much knowledge, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but you know, you you talked about, um, you know, you just mentioned that teens are having a hard time being themselves, but you know, ostensibly they have. You know, they have enough freedom at that age to kind of start deciding for themselves, you know, what they wear and and how they're appearing to others. So what from from these poems and from these works of art and from these, you know, these literary works have you seen that is keeping teens and youths from being themselves? You know, you have the perception of the media because that's what they're exposed to of um, where they have this idea that the other person is so much more perfect than they are has so much going for them um, and in reality those people often look at someone else as being perfect and they look at someone else and sometimes it comes back to the original person who felt insecure in the first place and so um, there's really a, a, a need out there of kids who almost lose themselves by wanting to adapt so much to what they think is popular or they want to fit into the in crowd. Um, So one of the concepts from the book is, you know, that, that to be perfect means to have imperfections, that there's no real perfect of flawlessness, except for the fact that if you have flaws, that make helps make you perfect. Um, You know, can I read one of the poems? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, You know, this is one that uh, talked about uh, what it means to be normal. Um, But uh, it says, it's written by Jamie Donovan uh, in eighth grade. It says, what is normal anyway? Average? Standard? The same? And why is it that being normal is seen as such a great thing? Do you really just want to blend in and be exactly like everyone else? Wouldn't you rather be your own person and be unique in your own way? Why would you want to be just like others rather than being who you really are? If everyone would be themselves, then there really wouldn't be any normal. Everyone could live their lives without worrying about fitting in. Because no matter what, you know that everyone is different. There's no certain way you're supposed to be. But no, instead people have to spend their time pretending to be something they're not. Just to be seen as an average person, not in any special way. And you'd be so much happier if you would be different, be yourself, and be bold. And, you know, I like the message of that because so often we try to be something that we're not 
and then you, we're not happy with it because we're not comfortable in someone else's skin. Yeah. It's like putting on a putting on a costume and after a while your makeup starts to get uncomfortable. You're breaking out. You got you got an itchy leotard on and it's it's that but emotionally. But I exactly. have to ask, you know, I um so I I went through high school. I'm in college right now. And in high school, I had this this sort of mindset where I was like, well, I have to fit into this certain image. You know, you go through that process of, of body dysmorphia. You go through the eating disorder process <laughs> and you get hit with all of that. And it's, it's a very powerful, you know, like life-altering thing. But then when you get to college, for me, it, it feels like people have become more you know, comfortable in their own skin. They've sort of found where they're going. They're they're less worried about fitting in with this stereotype. And so do you think that there's there's a certain age or a certain age range where teens are are more vulnerable to to, you know, not feeling like themselves, trying to put on that second skin? And is there is there a point where, you know, hopefully people are starting to emerge out of that or finding it easier to to come out of it? I think you're dead on when you talk about uh, going from high school to college. You know, uh, once you get at the university level, there's so many. You can find your own uh, people. You know, your own peeps. Because <laughs> no, no matter when you're in a school, especially in a small school, and you're the only one that has a different hair color or um, is unique in a certain way, you might be so individualized that you feel awkward and self-conscious. But then you take that exact same person and when they're walking around a campus and all of a sudden they find someone who looks like them, who has the same goals as them that are maybe a little different or the same gender uh, you know, insecurities, and all of a sudden they realize, hey, I'm not alone. And that feeling of not alone is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and speaking of changing perspectives, I'm also curious about um, how high schoolers have kind of changed because you've you said you've noticed a theme in these yearly anthologies that you do. Um, have you noticed anything that's kind of changed with how high schoolers uh, see themselves, see other people um, as time has passed and as you've worked on these yearly anthologies? You know, it's fun to see uh, the writing come out of the closet a little bit more um, because oh. in dealing with gender issues or homosexuality, uh, we've been doing this for writing for over 20 years, and if you'd have had a high school senior talk about insecurity of, uh, you know, being transgender, they would have, and had it published, uh, that would have probably been led to ridicule and uh, ostracization at their school, and then all of a sudden, you know, in the past few years, you have these attitudes that, it's okay, I don't have to hide who I am, and I can write about it, and express myself through art and realize that um, I'm okay with who I am. And so I think there's been a transition in uh, the stereotypes that we had to fit a certain mold. And bit by bit, people are realizing that there's uh, comfort in realizing that there's an audience of other people who are just like them. And I think that's come out in some of the writing. And I'll try to put some of that into the book to help uh, people who are Maybe a little different in their school, but nationwide, there's other people just like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. I think that's the the real power is in the communication, is in opening these these channels for discussion and this discourse uh, in order to to 
show everybody that, that there's people like them, that others are going through the same experiences as them. I <laughs> I go through, uh, I sign up for a, a sort of alternative winter break every year, and it's the service trip that you go out on. And everybody in the group, there's maybe like 10 people in the group, over the span of this week of service in, in some you know, away state that's not the college state and not your home state, uh, you're giving these life maps. So every single person in the group gives a life map, tells their entire life story in the span of an hour to two hours. And the idea behind that is that it shows you that other people have have gone through similar struggles or have gone through life obstacles that maybe you can relate to and that everybody sort of goes through the same developmental path. Well, not exactly the same, but, you know, these these different roads that make them who they are. But I also have a question about, about you know, speaking up and being open. So I know that, that a lot of the times when, when you're maybe applying to colleges as a high schooler or you're, you're meeting new people in a social setting, you know, it's, it's desirable to be open, to speak out, to be confident. And if you don't speak out, maybe in, a, in an interview setting, you could miss an opportunity or at a party, you're not as well liked, you're that wallflower. But, but is it okay to be shy? Is it okay to kind of be introverted at times or, you know, should we always be reaching out and grasping at any opportunity to express ourselves that we can? That's a great question. I told my classes today, you know, a competent communicator is able to choose and adapt to every situation and every person. And sometimes you're going to be passive. Sometimes you're going to be shy. Mm -hmm. But when you're locked into being shy all the time, and sometimes it's that self-talk of that situation when you wish you would have spoken up and you beat yourself up mentally and think, <laughs> oh, I wish I would have. Um, but, you know, uh, society-wise, we often look at outgoing people as the best example. But we need shy people too, you know, and you need to be who you are and what you're comfortable with. And sometimes shy people are comfortable um, being shy, and that's great. And other times they find a situation where... Um, maybe they were really passive and someone took advantage of them or, um, you know, but there's times you need to stand up and for yourself and say something so you're not walked on. And so, you know, and being shy, it's, it's a choice. And sometimes I'm going to choose to be shy, but I'm going to also choose my own battles of when I want to be more assertive and have a little more confidence to stand up for my own rights because I'm just as important as anyone else. That's one of the, the messages from the book is that everybody has the exact same rights and needs and everybody's important. It's not just the people who are more outspoken. Yeah, this is definitely I can, something I can definitely relate to. It's like, this is exactly how I was where I was really just shy. I couldn't really say anything and I just constantly beat myself up trying to, I guess, get myself to speak. And as I've grown older, it's not really that I've tried to, you know, become the person who says all the perfect things, drops the perfect jokes or anything. It's just I've come to accept who I am with, like, saying things when I want to say things and just keeping quiet when I want to keep quiet. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, it's worked out for me, at least. Um, yeah, go on. I'm going to say that, you know, we're all going to make mistakes and say stupid things and do stupid things. That's part of being human. Um, that it's, you know, learning and uh from our emotions and from our behaviors and just being the best you that you can be. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely also something that I can, um, 
really relate to just saying awkward things and just letting it go, just <laughs> laughing at myself and um, yeah, and just being myself. Um, yeah, I also want to ask, um, obviously teens go through a lot of, I guess, emotional trouble as they grow up. Um, they're going through a lot of changes and, you know, both, yeah, I guess like mental, psychological, emotional, spiritual, biological um, how can teens, I guess, keep their emotions from holding them back or, I guess, letting the extremes of their psyche kind of pulling them apart? You know, our emotions are powerful things and they can help us to function effectively, but those emotions can also hold us back a lot. And when an emotion holds you back, I tell people stop and assess what you're telling yourself. It's your self-talk. Because so often we beat ourselves up with our thoughts. And if you can learn to give yourself positive self-talk, It'll help you have emotions that help you to be a more functioning person. Because we all have thoughts of what we're going to do is horrible or we may ruin something. You know, when's the last time you really messed something up? I mean, some, really did something that literally ruined your life forever. Most likely, it really has not happened. But we often have those thoughts. I remember a student telling me that her life was over when the person she loved dumped her. And then a few weeks later, life had gone on and all was okay. But for those few weeks, she created her own personal turmoil. So I always tell people, if you can't change your circumstances, then change your attitude because life will always get better. Absolutely. That's a great, that's a great message to keep in mind. There's a, one of my favorite books is uh, by a guy named Viktor Frankl. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And he wrote it when he was in a concentration camp in World War II. And, you know, these people had all their worldly, worldly possessions, their families, everything was taken away, except for one thing, their ability to choose. And they could look at their situation and be depressed that life was horrible, or look at that crusty, moldy piece of bread and be thankful they had something to eat. Because, you know, when it rains, some people get sad, and other people think of, wow, it's fresh, it smells great, it cleans the earth. And so you have the exact same event can have different outcomes because it's not the event that creates the emotion or the negativity or whatever. It's how we view the event. Absolutely. So, so focus on the good things and you really do feel a difference. Mm-hmm. You got to just, just boost those positive moments in your life and turn the negative moments into positive moments. But speaking of perceptions, though, um, I know we've definitely discussed a lot about our perceptions of the outside world. But I know there's there's an idea that your self-perception should be somewhat self-deprecating in order to appear modest. You know, like nowadays they say hu- what humility is, is a virtue and you want to kind of, you know, sit on your pride and make sure it doesn't go over the top. But is it okay to kind of, you know, be self-affirming? <laughs> because it sometimes, is. you know... <laughs> You know, one of the assignments I do in my university classes, I uh, have them write a list of all the things they'd like to change about themselves and all the things they feel confident in themselves. And the change things list is usually almost always longer. I say, what does this say about ourselves? Because it's our human nature to beat ourselves up. And um, that's just kind of how we're wired. We cut ourselves down in front of others, we're self-deprecating, and then we accept that as normal. You know, and I'm not saying to go around and tell other people to say, here's how great I am, but it's okay to say positive things about yourself because there's a difference in saying that you're better than anyone else and saying that you're good at something because we can all be good at something. And, and that's one of the things in, you know, in learning to get confidence in something is think about 
what you're good at. Don't focus on your limitations. Don't focus on what you can't do. I have a daughter who has muscular dystrophy and is in a wheelchair. And until science can fix her genetic disease, she's not going to walk. But she can still dance because there's wheelchair dance teams. She can still excel in school. You know, she was valedictorian of her high school. She's going to graduate from the University of Illinois in two and a half years. Because we've taught her, instead of focusing on her limitations, to focus on what your strengths are. And everyone can excel at something. It might just be one subject in school or that you're a good listener with your friends or you care about animals. But being confident, more confident, doesn't mean you have to be better than everyone else. It just means you have to acknowledge areas of your life that you feel are a strength and feel good about those. Um, can I read another poem that kind of relates to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> um, this is uh, by a 12th grader named Keely Lindsay called Purpose. It says, life isn't about being perfect, a seamless porcelain doll on display for all to see. It isn't about winning on the field or in the classroom. It isn't about how popular you are or how much money you have in the bank or what kind of clothes you wear on your back. It isn't about what others think of you or what you think you're capable of doing. Life isn't about where you're from, rich or poor, because we all have the potential to be great. Life is about finding your purpose, finding out what you're good at and what you enjoy. It's about defying the odds, breaking down obstacles that get in your way and finding what your talents can do for the world. And so one of the concepts, you know, between uh, with the book I Am Me is to let kids, if they can find one poem in here that they identify with that makes them feel like, hey, I can be myself and I can conquer the world, then putting this book together has been a success. And that's, we want to get it out to as many young people as possible just so that they realize that it's okay to be different. It's okay to feel insecure and it's okay not to be perfect. Yeah, and speaking on that, I guess that acceptance of imperfection. Um, obviously, teens, as they're growing up, they want to do more. They want to have like develop more skills. They want to, I guess, become healthier, become more uh, attractive, whatever. Um, and you know, like obviously, it's not always bad to have those goals. But you know, if you chase those too hard, then you can kind of become self-destructive. Um, what would you say is the best way to strike that balance between like? ambition and self-acceptance you know and it's just knowing who you want to be and then taking those small steps to become that because so often we put all these other people on a pedestal um you know in high school you have the perfect girls who have the perfect (laughs) look they're the you know maybe the cheerleader they you know have the nicest clothes and uh what you're seeing is their exterior uh it's these plastered smiles it's these you know sweet and splenda fake it's they're not you don't see their imperfections they're but we elevate them and so part of it is just realizing that there's the importance of being you and that you can lose who you are and miss it if you try to conform to everybody who really are you you can't keep everybody happy you got to just, you know, care about you, care about the people who are close to you and make sure that you're keeping up that optimistic outlook and, a, you know, a, a hold on who who you really are. You don't have to try and be someone else. Yeah, well, because we all want to be loved, you know, we yeah. all want to feel like we fit <laughs> in, you know, no matter how old you are. Um, and so if you try to become the same as everyone else, 
um, it's it's a tough struggle to Absolutely. try to adapt because you can't adapt to everybody. And if you are yourself, then you're letting people know who you really are and you might be surprised who ends up being your friend. Yeah, I feel that. I think I, in high school, I spread myself way too thin, just trying to try to make everybody happy. And while that's still a little bit with me, I'm not going to lie, we're working on it. <laughs> it's definitely gotten better. And I think uh, the good thing is that it can get better. You can kind of retract your, your overspread forces and make sure that you're solidified, that you've built a foundation on you and that you're exuding that instead of exuding a a false version of yourself. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for sharing your message with us today. And it absolutely has been incredibly powerful. I know that I definitely felt pretty alone at times in high school. And I'm glad that that I Am Me Teen is out there and that we can get communications to teens who are feeling isolated. So audience, make sure you're checking out Tom's work at I-am-me-teen.com. You can also go online and search I Am Me Teen and you'll be able to pull up the link to the book on Amazon and major book retailers. You'll be able to find a copy and get your copy today. You can also watch a book trailer on the website, and you can visit social media, go on Facebook, go on Twitter and Instagram, and follow the I Am Me Teen page to get access to teen struggles, their journeys, and who they are, essentially. Make sure you support more segments like this one by donating to the Be The Star You Are 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program at bethestarur.org. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Kenneth Chun. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out more about spreading positivity with Be The Star You Are. And check us out on YouTube at www.youtube.com slash Be The Star You Are. We'll be back after the break with more on the gift of optimism. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. On the Right Road with host Paula Phillips has arrived at Voice America. With remarkable heart and realness, this popular program brings inspiration, ideas, opportunities, and help to teachers and parents around the globe who work daily to guide kids on the right road in school and in life. Join the Right Road family of kindness, uplifting, and support. Tune in to On the Right Road, live every first and third Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday afternoon for the Empowered Kids series. It's two hours of programming geared toward our younger listeners and our young-at-heart listeners. We kick things off with Express Yourself Teen Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Then keep up with your favorite movies on Kids First Coming Attractions at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. The Empowered Kids series, every Sunday on Voice America Empowerment. 
We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're finishing off the show today with more on the gift of optimism. In this last segment, Kenneth and I will be sharing our own thoughts on optimism and the subject of being an optimistic person. Kenneth, I want to ask, can you recall one time where being optimistic helped you out in a tough situation? Um, I guess recently there is kind of a thing that I've, I don't know, I saw something in the news that made me really happy. And I guess it's just like boosted my optimism a lot. And, and <laughs> it's, yeah, just made me like look forward to the future more. So I should explain. Um, yeah, like there's a lot of things that I think I've become more optimistic about. Um, yeah, I used to be like pretty just cynical and closed <laughs> off and just like a recluse. Um, but yeah, as I've like just as I've grown older, I've become a lot more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just kept my head up like higher, right? I've looked at the better side of things. Um, yeah, and that involves like anything from like personal issues to like wider political things that I'm unhappy about. Um, so yeah, something that I kind of like worry about a lot is like the state of the environment, right? And how that's going to mm-hmm. turn out, how like scientists are all saying this is like the biggest crisis of the human race. Um, but yeah, like I saw something in the news recently um, and it said that engineers actually developed a way to remove carbon dioxide from a stream of air. Um, yeah, so it's like a really cool technology. They could... Uh, basically extract that gas from any concentration level um, from like right next to power plants to just open air. So yeah, this is like a huge breakthrough, right? And yeah, yeah, this is just, I guess, one example, but seeing those kinds of like little small things has really helped me just keep my head up a lot higher, um, really inspired me to like really, I don't know, go into the future with a more active mindset and helping fix kind of, um, fix these problems. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just the one example that came to mind uh yeah Has absolutely you where um optimism really helped you all you know yeah i i have to say i definitely relate to that um because we are bombarded with all this this negative <laughs> news because it it really catches people's attentions so i think as human beings as as an animal species, we tend to pay more attention to the negative, um, ne- things with negative consequences, things that are scaring us, because evolutionarily, that's what's the most beneficial, right? Like, if you if you notice something positive, like, sure, it's, it's nice and positive. You see berries in a bush, you can pick them later. There's more food for, for later on the African savanna uh, from an evolutionary standpoint. But if you see something negative, if you see a lion on the savanna, you're like, oh, crap, there's a lion. That's going to have negative consequences. I better pay attention to that so that I'm bettering my own survival. And so that has become amplified in our brains. Our, you know, our minds have developed specific mechanisms to deal with the negative consequences to amplify them in order to try and warn us to keep us alive. <laughs> but nowadays, 
a lot of media outlets know that that negative aspect is what get catches people's attentions and focuses it on this, you know, this news source. And so we're bombarded with a lot of negatives and the positives have been neglected and kind of in a cyclical process, we also keep our attention on the negatives because evolutionarily we're more structured to do that. So it's really good that, you know, you're seeing these positive news articles and these positive results from the scientific community because I think that's really important. We get a lot of good stuff from science that we don't really highlight. We always see, you know, the the this food could cause heart disease or this could cause that. <laughs> we always see that in the media nowadays. We don't see anything that's super good. So I'm glad you brought that up. I think for me personally, um, I just, I definitely have been trying to change my outlook as well because stress gets to you. And I think it's, you know, I need to take a page out of your book and spin things in a more optimistic light. Yeah. Um, also that point about the mainstream media and everything, um, I think something that's also kind of like really helps me, um, I guess, become more optimistic is uh, how I approach like risk taking, right? Um, when you hear about all these successful people, um, all these like huge, I don't know, like business leaders, all these like fame, famous actors, musicians, everyone who's like huge, right? Um, yeah, sometimes it just feels like, oh, these people are just like geniuses and they were born to be there, um, you know, like the successful people of the world were always just mm -hmm. destined to be successful and everyone else, you know, just has to go about their life not doing that. Um, but yeah, just thinking about how everyone, like not just these like huge famous people, but everyone always, um, it takes risks, right? Like the mm -hmm. people who become successful are the ones who uh, take those risks. They invest a lot of time and effort into making decisions that will propel them forward without always knowing uh, what exactly comes ahead. And, you know, the probability, like you said, we're, I guess, predisposed to uh, see the negative side of things because often that's what the greater probability is, right? Mm -hmm. Or I guess like the bigger consequences. If you eat the wrong berry, then you you just die. Your life is over. <laughs> um, yeah, so like kind of in a similar way, you know, those consequences can be really big. That probability can be really small that your risk will pay off. But, you know, it's worth taking it just because if you don't, then like, what are you going to do? You don't get anywhere. Absolutely. What did they say? Uh, reach for the, I think it's reach for the moon. And if you miss, you might still land amongst the stars. So <laughs> it's the idea that you, you know, yeah. you, you go out there. Yeah. Because in the end, you know, you got one life, you got one life, you're going to, you're going to have to live it out. And if you spend it pursuing the safe things that don't make you happy, then you really, it's not worth it. I mean, it is to an extent worth it, but I think, you know, there's no, my perspective is that there's no, there's no like one meaning to life, right? Like money isn't the meaning to yeah. life. This form of happiness or that form of happiness is not the meaning to life, you know? So you can define your own value to living. And if you define it as a certain value and then because of the risk there, you're not taking that step to achieve your self-defined value, then what's the point? <laughs> as you said, what's the point? You know, there's not as much of a point as as there would be if you took that risk. And of course, this is calculated risk. You do have to, you know, make smart decisions. It's not about just throwing your dice and making <laughs> a gamble. But yeah. I think, 
Yeah, like a from a, at a certain threshold, it's better to take that leap than to stay safe in your burrow and and go down another less advantageous path. Yeah, like uh, Tom mentioned in the last segment, um, obviously you shouldn't just like throw your life away at every every opportunity. But if there is something that you like really you really love, it's like a part of your identity. Um, that could be like anything. That could just be like I don't know, forming a relationship with like a tighter relationship with someone you love. Uh, career option, whatever. Um, if it is something that you truly hold close to your heart, then you know it's worth taking that risk and just pursuing it to the fullest extent. Absolutely. And I think there's there's ways that you can fit in both. That's a good takeaway message that I think a lot of people don't look at, and I definitely didn't see <laughs> until until recently. But you can structure your life and you can make decisions that will allow you to include you know, both, I don't know if you're considering the economic side of things, uh, both of that and something that you love, you can merge them together. It's not, it's not mutually exclusive. You can do both. <laughs> you can, you can find your value and you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I guess like optimism on a wider level too, like I was saying, uh, just like going into the future, thinking about like how like society at large will be in the future. Um, like you said, there's a lot of like news about how like everything is coming to a crash. Uh, but yeah, just keeping your head up, looking at the small things that come up from time to time, I think is really valuable and just, yeah, keeping yourself up, keeping yourself motivated and active and yeah, being your best. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So this has been an awesome show on the gift of optimism, uh, audience support be the star you are and find information on our creative community charity efforts and outreach programs on our main site at www.bethestarur.org you have been listening to express yourself an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens i'm kenneth john and i'm brigitte gia as always we give our thanks to star style productions cynthia bryan be the star you are and our voice america empowerment crew especially our voice engineer josh thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world and thank you to you our listeners for making us a top rated program be honest be optimistic and be here speak up speak out and express yourself Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine between the lines if you would let yourself